I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. I'm Harriet Minter. This week is a slightly shorter episode. Sorry, I've gone on holiday and, well, I'm in holiday mode. And I don't want to look at the news. It's all too miserable. So instead, I spoke to amazing comedian Rosie Wilby all about the art of breaking up. I promise it's way more cheering than you would expect. Hi, Harriet. So take me back to 2011 and being dumped by email. How cruel. <laughs> it seemed cruel at the time. It might seem a bit quaint now in this era of ghosting, but I always said at the time that I did feel better after I'd corrected her spelling and punctuation. <laughs> You've got to try and see the funny side. <laughs> you have to. Why is um, why do breakups feel so devastating to us? Because it's a loss. It's like a bereavement. We do go into a state of grief and it's actually found to be chemically the same as when we are withdrawing from a drug because our lover has provided all these amazing happy chemicals that have been whizzing around our brain and then suddenly they're not there anymore and so we really are withdrawing from a very addictive opiate. Is that the same if we break up with someone as if they break up with us? It is slightly different depending on if you're the dumper or the dumped. <laughs> um, because if, if you've initiated the breakup, you have probably been thinking about it and preparing for it for a while. Whereas if it's a shock, uh, like my email breakup, <laughs> then yes, you're the one who's plunged into that state of withdrawal. And then you do often face quite a lengthy recovery process. But The sort of positive message of my book is that it can be a a kind of time for transformation and renewal and positive and creative energy in in the longer run. And we can often find that breakups help us to make better partner choices and better decisions in the future. And the happy ending is that I'm now engaged to my partner. So So you've written this book, The Breakup Monologue. Why did you decide to create a book and it's sort of it's sort of part memoir but also part investigative journalism I think investigation heartache why around breakups well 
I'd always been fascinated with relationships and love and sexuality and the psychology of how those things work, particularly as a gay woman and feeling that my relationships sat slightly outside of the narrative that we often see represented in mainstream films and TV and in love songs. So I was keen to investigate that and represent the sort of narratives that sit slightly outside the stories that we always see even though there are so many things about love that are so universal it doesn't matter who we fall in love with but then I think there are things that are nuanced and different about being being gay as well because actually this is the first relationship I've been in where we've really been able to think about getting married and um, that just wasn't <laughs> something on the table before I mean I, I like to say because I'm such a serial monogamist and I've had so many breakups that if I, uh, you know, if I could have got married all along, I'd probably had, have had as many marriages as Joan Collins, you know. But <laughs> well, that, <laughs> probably a good thing I wasn't allowed to, really. <laughs> there is a stereotype, isn't there, about lesbian relationships, which is that it's very intense, very, very quickly, and that everybody moves in together on the second date. And yep. is that, A, is that stereotype true? And B, what then does that mean for breaking up with someone? Is it different there as well? Yeah, you, it, it's true. There is a joke about the U-Haul lesbian who does move <laughs> in with her three cats on the second date. And lesbians do seem to move quite quickly. And it does also sadly mean we cycle through relationships and get to the end quicker sometimes as well. And lesbians actually have the highest divorce rate of anybody. But what's also good is that we are much better at staying friends with our exes. And we've sort of pioneered the idea of conscious uncoupling long before Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> because in the old days, lesbians kind of all met up in quite small <laughs> social groups. And you had to really stay friends with your ex because there was no one else to be friends with. <laughs> I love that you said you cycle through relationships quite quickly. Do you think that there is a cycle to a relationship? Is there a kind of pattern that they all go through? And when you hit a point, you're like, it's, it's, we're either stopping here or we're done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I've, I've talked about relationships going in threes because I often found that three years was a bit of a critical point in many of my relationships. But actually, they do really scientifically go through stages of three because we go through these three distinct stages recognised by anthropologists of lust, love and attachment. And there are very different chemicals going on in the brain during these stages. And I think nowadays we often mistake that final stage of attachment where you're in a more companionate sort of love and you're not having wall-to-wall -wall sex from the chandeliers <laughs> um, we, we mistake that for falling out of love and it's actually just that you're moving from the very very romantic stage of love into a more companionate stage where you can get on with your careers and raising your children and keeping your home going and looking after your pets and <laughs> getting on with life really can we keep though she says rather greedily can we yeah. keep some of the lust and love stage into the more attachment companionate stage yes I mean of course we can you know but it takes a lot of work actually because <laughs> those those stages can fizzle out um, and what some people do that I know because in my first book I investigated non-monogamy and open relationships and polyamory so for some people their solution to that would be to have a longer term partner that they had 
more of a pragmatic, practical arrangement with, and they perhaps had new lovers that they met and had that kind of heady, lusty attachment with outside of the primary partnership. And then perhaps that brought a sort of fizzy, heady energy back into the primary partnership. So for some people, that can be a solution. Definitely not for everybody. I know some people really struggle with jealousy when perhaps there might be other partners and other lovers involved in a situation. And I'm now in a monogamous relationship, having really thought a lot about whether I would want to to go that route. So, um, yeah, I think there are lots of things you can do. You can, you know, organise date nights, just make an effort to communicate about things that you want and just try and make time for each other and listen to each other. But it is, it's hard and it does, I think we have to, allow for the fact and recognize that relationships do change and it's not going to feel quite like it did at the beginning but you can always if you had a wonderful beginning and you really fell in love and you had an amazing time I think you can always remember that and channel that again have special date nights where it will feel like that again but it won't be every night (laughs) unfortunately I I would be very into polyamory if it were not for the organization required in it I think (laughs) I can't I can't run more than two calendars at any one time um, I really like in um, polyamorous world, if you feel you've reached your threshold of partners, you can say you're polysaturated. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Have you then, in your investigations, learnt how we can do breakups better? So I am the child of divorced parents who perhaps did not break up as well as they could, she says, in case any of them are listening. Um, <laughs> can we... As a sort of as the next generation on, because I think you know, for my kind of age, parents divorcing that was I was probably the first generation where it was commonplace, and I don't think they'd really had you know they didn't have a, a, a kind of they didn't have something to follow. They didn't know how to do it. As the next generation, can we be better at breaking up? I think so, and I think it is so much about communication. It seems like such a cliche, but really talking about what what you need and how you need the breakup to play out on my podcast which is also called the breakup monologues which kind of inspired the book i recently interviewed a comedian called jessica fosterkey who's wonderful and she's recently sort of traveled along the sexuality spectrum from having relationships with men to now having a relationship with a woman and so she knew that something was changing in her about how she wanted to be in a relationship and who she wanted to be with and who she you know, her whole identity was sort of changing in a way that was surprising to her. And so she had to broker this kind breakup with the father of her child. And she said to me, you know, look, the conversation has to be that we are breaking up. That's not up for discussion, but everything about the way we do that breakup, about the way we manage that, about the pace, which we do everything, where we live and how we do childcare, all of these things are so up for negotiation. And I think if you are the person doing the breakup, if you can somehow empower your ex in some way to feel they have some kind of say about how some of it plays out, that I think is really important. Because I think when I got dumped by email, that's sort of the hurtful part is that someone has made a decision, that's that, and you haven't really got any right of reply at all. In your investigations into breakups, what has been the lesson that you learned that you have thought, okay, I am going to take this into all of my next relationships and potential, hopefully not, possible breakups? (laughs) 
yeah i mean she's i think she's listening in the other room so these will be the warning signs (laughs) (laughs) no more breakups i think uh i think the lesson is um just always to to listen to one another and communicate and i i think and also to not sort of look back on the past through rose-tinted spectacles. I think we can be too nostalgic about the past and about the beginnings of relationships and sort of live in the present and live in the now. I've definitely been one who's just too nostalgic. I I reminisce about too many things from the past, you know, like, I don't know, CDs and cassettes. And <laughs> <laughs> Do you think breakups can ever be good can they ever can they ever be a good thing? Definitely. I think as I hinted at earlier, they can definitely have this transformative effect. I know so many women who've become triathletes or launched new businesses or written yeah. books or done exciting creative projects. And I coined this phrase breakup energy that I think describes that kind of vibrancy that we can have that is very intense and it's painful, but also something that can be harnessed for good rather than necessarily be used (laughs) to sort of plan acts of revenge, which of course some of us might might do a little bit of as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the, the, one of the exhibits in the museum of broken relationship (laughs) relationships, which exists, that's a thing in Zagreb. Um, One of the exhibits is the axe that a woman used to chop up the furniture belonging to her former lover. <laughs> love it, love it. Why let him sit down? Um, do you think, <laughs> yeah. do men and women respond to breakups differently? And I asked this because I was watching um, the Celebrity Bake Off a few weeks ago and Catherine Ryan was on it and she made a joke that both me and my boyfriend found very funny, which was she said she got her now husband when he just got divorced and she said that's when you want to get them when they are broken with nothing more than a car loan and a set of golf clubs and that's when they're ready to learn. And she really <laughs> described this very, very man who'd been very broken by divorce and you've just described there a woman who's like, been like, oh, I've got breakup energy, I can go do something, I can create something. Do you think men and women respond differently to breakups? It's interesting, actually. A 2015 study that was done found that women reported higher levels of pain immediately after the breakup, but then recovered better in the longer term, whereas men can struggle for longer, perhaps because societally men are less encouraged to discuss feelings and lean on friends or go to a therapist. And of course, these are all things that we do really need to do when we're in that very, very painful process. So yes, I think it's possible that because of the societal structures around men and women that we have in place, and and women often have strong friendship and support networks, I think it's possible men do suffer more in the longer run, but I think it, it can really, really hurt women in the shorter term. And obviously, the big question everyone asks, the second we break up, when we're in that post-addict stage, when we just want a hit of the X, should we ever get back together after a breakup? (laughs) Ooh, well, I think, you know, there are one or two kind of famous couples that have done it. I think if you have one short break and then you get back together again, that can work. But really watch out for relationship cycling where it's just constantly on and off and on and off because it is shown that if you are constantly getting back together after a big bust up that the 
quality of the relationship deteriorates every single time. So really, really watch out for that. But definitely, the, I know lots of couples who've had one little break and then got back together again. So it, it can work, but watch out for the signals of the things that were going wrong last time repeating themselves because <laughs> we are human beings. We can repeat old patterns again and again. And it's interesting. Another thing I talk about in the book is the idea of whether we might be able to, in the future, take an anti-love drug, which would be like a pill you could take to forget your ex. And it would be a bit like a real-life version of the film Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And, of course, what's interesting in that film is that the two characters actually meet up again at the end of the film after they've had their memories of one another erased. So it raises this interesting question that, maybe it would not be a good idea to be able to erase <laughs> memories of your ex because you would end up just getting back together again <laughs> and repeating, repeating the same patterns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I wonder, when you wrote the book, did you spot any of your own patterns? Did it kind of bring up anything for you about your relationships and how you date? Uh, Yeah, I mean, lots of funny things. Like, I mean, I've always found online dating very, very weird and frustrating. I remember once I got sent my own profile back to me as my only ideal match. (laughs) And it it actually calculated that I was a 78% match. (laughs) Amazing. Not even 100%. The joys of the algorithm. Yeah. I know, absolutely. <laughs> so that was um, that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think what I have learned is that a breakup, even if it was maybe after a short time, can sometimes trigger other memories. So this idea that the sort of length of time that a relationship lasted being proportional to the time that it should take you to get over it, which is a sort of theory we've heard on programmes like Sex and the City, mm-hmm. is not necessarily true because the breakup could trigger other memories. So I go into, even though I'm a comedian and there's lots of fun stories from fellow comedians and authors in the book, there's also you know, some more reflective and thoughtful stuff and the real science of of why we break up and why it hurts. And I go into 
just a little bit of a kind of memories about being excluded at school and feeling bullied and those kind of things and how perhaps breakups can trigger memories of feeling outside of things, being left out and feeling rejected in, in other ways that are really painful memories from when we were much, much younger. And of course, any therapist will tell you that painful experiences from childhood <laughs> are always going to be things that come up and again and again. So I think what's important to watch out for is what your breakups are triggering, because it's possibly not just uh, directly the actions of that person that are causing you to feel pain. I think that's so interesting because I remember having an on-off, on-off thing with somebody for a, a very long time, significantly longer than it should have gone on for. And the only time it eventually became an off, off, and that was that, was when I'd had a kind of six-month therapy stint beforehand and unpicked the weird thing that this kept triggering for me every time yeah. we broke up that I was trying to fix. Do you think a lot of us are actually... Um, trying to fix parts of our past through our current relationships god definitely <laughs> absolutely broken uh, parental relationships and childhood relationships friendships as well i mean that's another thing i talk about in the book is friendship breakups and how painful people see, seem to find those because there's no cultural script for mourning them so I think there are a lot of breakups and that really are, you know, I, I, they do portray how much we are trying to fix something that we don't even know we're trying to fix. Exactly like you say, Harriet, it's, mm. it's complicated stuff. And we often make bad choices because we are running towards someone who is familiar to us and maybe it's familiar to us in a very painful way yeah. we should actually be running the other direction and choosing somebody actually quite nice and kind <laughs> we do learn the lesson eventually that's why i liked hope that's why i liked hope yeah. Um, yeah. it is lovely rosie do you think now that you know enough about breakups are you are you done are you looking for the next thing and if so what would that be well, I've, I've been researching relationships and love in some way for, uh, yeah, about a decade now. As you mentioned, it was 2011 when I got done by email. Um, so there's been so much to unpack across a trilogy of shows that I've toured around the UK. And yeah, the first book about monogamy and now obviously the podcast and book Breakup Monologues. So there's been so much, so much stuff to look at and the whole lexicon of how we talk about love and relationships and breakups and how that's constantly evolving as we have all these dating apps and these new behaviours like ghosting and breadcrumbing and oh. orbiting and submarining. What do they all mean? <laughs> So there's, there's been so much and I feel like there will always be lots to talk about. So I can't imagine completely changing tack altogether and not continuing to talk about relationships in some way. But perhaps I will look at them in a, in a broader textural way. I, I, I'm very interested in ideas of community and family. And particularly, again, I think with my kind of experience within the LGBT community and the ways that we have looked at family and community and friendship in slightly different ways when we've sort of sat outside of the 
traditional normative narratives of being able to get married and have children. And actually, I wrote an article recently about how I'm part of a generation of gay women who probably only just missed the window of when becoming a mother was probably really, really well is becoming becoming very very societally accepted but certainly when I came out when I was in my sort of late teens early 20s right at the beginning of the 1990s the narrative was that if you were gay you would not be a parent that was a very very clear narrative how did you how have you come to terms with that um (laughs) well I think it's it's been something that I came to terms with because I thought that everyone surrounding me within my LGBT community and that bubble that I immersed myself in, particularly when I first arrived in London and the LGBT scene was so fun, it was full of parties and friendship and it did feel like this big happy family. It was a bit like um, the writer Armistead Morpin talks about logical family in his Tales of the City books and, and there's this kind of very fun community that he paints a picture of and certainly London in the 1990s felt a bit like kind of 70s San Francisco and so I felt that there really was this sense of family and I thought well this is my family it's an alternative type of family and I don't mind that I won't have that conventional nuclear family that perhaps my a lot of my friends at school would have aspired to and I just felt I was on a different path but I think there's a complex set of emotions going on for many women my age now who are sort of perimenopausal age because now we're thinking, gosh, you know, things are just changing just ever so slightly too late for us really. Um, you know, we slightly moved past those years when we would really be thinking about having children. So it, I think now it's more complex emotionally than it was earlier on because I suppose I just thought well that's just not a thing lesbians don't have children whereas now uh, gay women around me are and I'm happy for them I'm really happy for women just a little bit younger than me that are are able to do that and are really happy doing that and I'm not even sure that I wanted it really it's just weird to feel you never had a choice Um, but me and my partner now we have we have our fur babies we have our dog and our two cats (laughs) and actually they are just as good and they don't even need homeschooling (laughs) Rosie, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me and giving me so much good education about relationships, love and breakups. Thank you so much. That was Rosie Wilby, comedian and author and all-round relationship superstar. If you enjoyed hearing from this badass woman, then there are many, many more, nearly 400 episodes filled with badass women for you to catch up on. Do go back through the archives and have a look at some. There are some absolutely incredible women who need more exposure. Plus, if you want to hear more from me, well, I do a Love Island podcast. It's called Undercover Lover and it goes out every Sunday morning. I know, you hate Love Island. We all do. That's okay. The podcast is about relationships, love and life. And it's just a lot of fun. Otherwise, I'll be here again next week. You can find me on social media at Harriet Minter in the meantime. And of course, if you love this podcast, do tell other people. That makes me really happy. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more badass guests and in-depth chats.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.